we pray several times on a Sunday morning. We get together like this, and we pray, uh, we sing a couple of songs, we pray, then we uh, sing a couple more songs, and then I get up and, and I pray, and then we, we, I preach a sermon, and then I pray. And, and we don't just do that because um, we feel like that's the thing that we're supposed to do, right? We do that because that is a, a part of what it means to be a follower of Christ, it, it's a part of what it means for us to be gathered as, as the church. We, we recognize that all that we do on Sunday morning isn't really about us, it's about God. And we're not going to have God do anything here if we're not communicating with Him and asking Him to be active and, and present in this place. And so one of the things that we're thinking about as, as a church right now is how do we uh, pray more? right? How do we pray more? How do we uh, be people who are not just the kind of people that pray when a crisis comes up and you go, I have no other option, but I have to pray because a crisis is here, or that just pray, wrote prayers out of habit, but how do we become people who we have a culture of prayer in our own lives, and if each of us has a culture of prayer in our own life, then we collectively as a church have a culture of prayer as well. And so that's what we're going to uh, talk about this morning because we're just coming off of Christmas, right? We've still got some decorations up because we haven't quite hit the new year, and we'll, but we're almost there, transitioning into the new year. And as we transition from Christmas, the celebration of the birth of Christ, into the new year, we recognize that when we celebrate Christmas, it's the celebration that God has drawn near to us, Right? That we, we being um, human are frail, we are sinful, we are not worthy of the presence of God, and so uh, rather than God saying, I'm up in heaven, guys, come up here where it's great. Instead, he said, ah, you can't reach. And he humbled himself and entered humanity so that he might draw near to us with the purpose being that we might then return and draw near to him, Right? So he comes, draws near to us, makes it possible for us to draw near to him so that we might respond in, in uh, drawing close to, to God. This is, this is how Paul puts it as he's preaching a sermon to a bunch of people who don't know who God is. This is how he puts it in Acts chapter 17. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. For he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is not actually far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Paul, Paul is making clear to these people who don't, they don't know who God is at all. And he says, I, I want to tell you who God is. The, the God of the universe who created all things created us and he doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need you to serve him. He doesn't need you to provide anything for Him. He doesn't even need you to acknowledge Him. He needs nothing from you. 
In fact, we get everything we have, our very life breath and all of our needs we get from Him. He set up the time that we would be alive and the boundaries for where we will live. That's who God is. And He did that so that, verse 27 of Acts 17, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him, even though He's not actually all that far away. He did all of that so that people might draw near to Him. And so if we're going to be a, the kind of people who draw near to Him, how would we do that? We're, we're wanting as a church, as all of New Life Church together, to do the C42 Endeavor. Okay, the C42 Endeavor. This is um, uh, something we're aspiring to, a challenge that we are, are trying to accomplish, which is the Colossians, that's the C, chapter 4, verse 2. Colossians 4, 2, Endeavor. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer. That's what we want to be as a church, that we would all be steadfast in prayer. But here's what I know. Praying is hard. Praying is hard. God already knows this, so I don't mind telling you. I have a hard time praying. I have a hard time praying. Finding the time to set aside that I would be disciplined and do that every single day and spending time in prayer and not getting distracted by other things. Some of you might, might think, I'm the only one that that happens to, right? You, you might think to yourself, I have a hard time praying. I'd like to be the kind of person who continues steadfastly in prayer, but I have a hard time doing that. And I want to say, I am one of you. We have a hard time doing that. And so as, as a pastoral staff, we were talking about what are some things that we can do to help the church to pray better? What are some tools we can do what are, th that we can provide? What are some things that we can do? And so a few years ago, we started having a monthly day of prayer. And we had a monthly day of prayer, and we would uh, most months have a prayer meeting where for an hour at each of our locations, we would have people gather together and pray for an hour. And we went, wow, we can do better than that. We can do better than that. I think we can do more. So we'd, we'd had a 24-hour prayer room where we had prayer for 24 hours in a room at the church. And we have tried many different things for many different months because some things work better for some people and other things work better for other people. But what we're trying to do is each and every month on the first Wednesday of the month have a day of prayer where we say we are focused on prayer. We want to have a day of prayer and, and fasting where we are setting some time aside and we can build a rhythm as a church once a month that we would do this together to recognize that we want to draw near to the God who wants us to draw near to Him. And so we want to spend time with Him in prayer. And so what we're going to do this month, this is the new challenge, is a thousand hours of prayer as a church in the month of January. It doesn't have to be consecutive. We don't have to do it all like back to back to back to back. We're not trying to do that. We do have a website set up where you can go and you can click and, and fill a half an hour slot and say, I'm going to pray during this half an hour. But it's not really about the thousand hours. It's really not. 
It's not like we're wanting to just fill up a thousand hours so that we can be like, hey, look at us. We are the church that prayed for a thousand hours in the month of January. That's not what it's about. What it's about is trying to provide tools and encouragement to people so that they can build prayer as a rhythm and as a lifestyle in their own lives, right? I, uh, so for me personally, um, I, I not only had trouble praying, being a person of prayer, I had trouble being a person in the Bible. That's crazy. I'm a pastor. The Bible is kind of what I do. Right, But as far as a personal time for me in the Bible every day, that was a challenge. That was a challenge. And I would be really streaky. Uh, sometimes I'd do really good, and then sometimes I'd do really bad. And then I found that in the YouVersion Bible app, some of you have that on your phone, they have streaks where it keeps track of if you have been logging into the app how many days in a row. I'm crazy motivated by streaks, it turns out. That's dumb. But it helped me build a rhythm of prayer. It helped me build a rhythm of, uh, of uh, Bible reading and, and, and being in God's Word. And so then what you can do is you can say, okay, I want to not just read it, forget about it, and move on with my day, but how do I respond to God. If God is speaking to me through His Word, then what do I want to speak back based on what I've read? And then we just put these two things together where we are reading God's Word and we are praying back to God in response to what He is speaking to us. I, I, I know that you um, want to be people who pray, right? You, you go, I, I want to be connected to God. I've never talked with a Christian who was like, I wish I prayed less. I just feel like I pray too much. I talk to God way too much. I think I need to stop that. I've never met a single Christian who felt that way. Every Christian I've talked with went, I wish I could pray more. I wish I was better at praying. And so we can just acknowledge that and confess it to one another and acknowledge that this is a weakness that we have so that we can work together to, to encourage and support one another in prayer, right? We don't have to pretend, oh yes, I'm a great prayer. I'm the best prayer I know. We don't have to pretend that here. God already knows what our prayer life is like, so we don't have to try and fool anybody else. We can just acknowledge this is something I need help in, and we'll try and provide some tools and some encouragement and some help so that we can all improve the way that we pray, so that we can all draw closer to God. And as a church, we can, Colossians 4, 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer. This is uh, to be completely devoted to it, right? Committed to it. And so uh, what I was trying to think last night of what, what's an example of something that you're just like steadfast, committed, devoted to it. And I, I was trying to think about what that might be. And I was talking with my wife about that. And Teresa said to me, like brushing your teeth. And I went like brushing my teeth. Yes, like brushing my teeth. I need my teeth to be clean. I am committed to dental health. 
right? And so I brush my teeth twice a day. There's nothing that gets in the way of me brushing my teeth. There are days I don't shower. I'll acknowledge that to you right here. <laughs> Stuff comes up. Sometimes you don't shower. There are times I don't eat because things get in the way. There are times that almost anything in my life gets interrupted. But do you know what doesn't get interrupted? Brushing my teeth. I, I can be tired and I still brush my teeth. Right? I can be sick and not eating. I brush my teeth. I didn't eat breakfast. I brush my teeth in the morning and I brush my teeth before bed. I go on vacation. I'm still brushing my teeth. I can go on vacation and forget my toothbrush and I will go to the store and buy a toothbrush so that I can brush my teeth. I want that to be me in prayer. Right? I want that to be me in prayer. That there wouldn't be anything. I could be sick. I'm still praying. I could be on vacation, I'm still praying. I could skip breakfast, I'm still praying. Whatever it is, I'm still praying. I'm committed to prayer, like I'm committed, devoted to brushing my teeth. And that's what I want for you too. That we are a people who is devoted, continuing steadfastly in prayer. I was... I told you I, I was uh, motivated by streaks in, in the Bible app, and so that helped me. I, I also, so I'll help. When you build a habit, you can find a time or a place that you build that habit, right? And when I was um, listening, I have a podcast I listen to regularly, and in that podcast, Every time the podcast comes out, they say, thanks for making this your first listen every day. And I went, after listening to that for like two weeks, I went, I don't want this to be my first listen every day. I want God's Word to be my first listen every day. And so I put the Bible... Right there. I was listening to this podcast while I made breakfast every morning. Almost every morning, I get up and I make breakfast. It's quiet. There's not a lot going on. And so I'm making breakfast in the quiet by myself, listening to my podcast. And he's telling me in my ear, thanks for making this your first listen every day. And I went, you get to be my second listen. And I started listening to the Bible, because in the Bible app, you can listen to it, you can have it read while I'm making my breakfast every day. And that streak just tick, 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 tick. Because I began to uh, be engaged with God's Word like that. So finding that time, what, when is that time that you can say, I'm by myself every day, or almost every day, I have this time when it is quiet and I'm by myself that I could read God's word and respond in prayer. When is that time that we can build that habit? Maybe you might, um, maybe you might have a commute and every day you're headed to work and you have 15 minutes in the car all by yourself. And the first part of that commute, you listen to God's word and you pray. Or maybe you have uh, something else that, that you do regularly that you're like, I brush my teeth and it's quiet. And I'm by myself when I do it. And so I can be engaged with God during that time. Or maybe you go, I wake up every morning 
and it's quiet when I get up in the morning and I'm all by myself. I'm just going to turn my alarm clock back a few minutes so that I get up a few minutes earlier. Or maybe you are the kind of person that you're just up late, and so you're just going to go to bed just a few minutes later so that you can build in the rhythm when it's quiet and you're by yourself, that you can build in the rhythm that you're uh, responding to who God is. There are a couple of tools that I just want to tell you about. One is, I've mentioned it a couple times, the Bible app. Uh, you, it's also called version, but it's uh, on most phones, just the Bible app. And uh, you can build in their reading plans. We have a, a reading plan that starts tomorrow. We're going to read through the book of Romans through the month of January. You could pray through the book of Romans in the month of January with us as a church. So you can do that, that reading plan. They also have prayer right in there. There's a, a, a daily prayer thing, and you can add your own prayer requests and set it up for, for prayer right there in the app. There's also another app, if you want to write this down, called PrayerMate. If you're just looking for an app for prayer, PrayerMate is better than the Bible app. But if you want to merge the two together, the Bible app is pretty good for that too. So, I just want to give you those tools because sometimes having a tool and saying, this is how I know I'm doing it, right? I get distracted with it when I'm praying. I don't know what I'm praying about. And so, having a, an app or a journal, somebody, some of you have a, a journal that you keep maybe by your bedside or something that you write your prayer requests in or you write out your prayers so that you can be the kind of person that continues steadfastly in prayer and then you note next to it, this prayer was answered on such and such a day. Now, you, maybe you have, have those, but having those tools help you stay structured and stay focused on that time in prayer with God. Here we have Paul saying, we continue steadfastly in prayer. And so what I wanted to do then is say, okay, what, how did Paul do this? If you go back, so this is Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, that he says, continue steadfastly in prayer. And you're like, well, Paul, are you telling us to do something that you're not doing? Well, no, because if you go back to chapter 1 of Colossians, here's how he starts the book of Colossians in, in verse 3 uh, of Colossians chapter 1. We always thank God. We are always thanking God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. He says, we're always praying for you. We think about you all the time. And we think about how faithful you are and that you believe in Jesus and we just love that you have that same hope that we have. And so we are constantly thanking God, praising God for you. Then further down in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, he says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not stopped, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. 
Now, I just want to say, those are really good prayers. Those are really good prayers. So sometimes when, when I have a brush my teeth habit, I have a, a, a brush my teeth habit in prayer. And that is that before I eat, I pray. I pray because I want to acknowledge that I recognize this food, this provision came from God, and I'm thanking Him for the food that He provided for me. I pray before bed. And I pray thanking God for His provision for me in the rest that I'm about to receive. And I thank Him for providing that. One of the things that happens, though, is that when you are prompted in that way by the same circumstance every single time, is that my prayers tend to sound very similar every single time. Because when I'm prompted by food, I'm praying about food. And when I'm prompted by sleep, I'm praying about sleep. And so then my prayers start sounding very similar. They're good prayers. They're not bad prayers. It's not bad at all to thank God every day for food. That's fine. It's not bad at all to thank God every day for the rest He provides for us, that we can stop working at the end of the day and He provides rest for us in sleep. That's wonderful. But if I want to have my prayer life be a little bit richer so that I don't feel like it's just formulaic and I'm saying the same things all the time, one of the things that I can do is I can pray Scripture. I can read Scripture and pray it back to God. This is God's revelation to us. And I can, one of the things that I really like to do is see other people's prayers like Paul's here. And say, I want to pray like this. So how does Paul do it? He doesn't stop praying for people. He's praying for them all the time. He's thinking of these people in Colossae where he's not at. And he's thinking of them and he's saying, I am thinking of you and praying for you all the time. All the time. And here's what I'm praying for you. I'm asking God that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And I think, I would like that too, Paul. Me too. God, would you fill me with all knowledge of your will and spiritual wisdom and understanding? Because I feel like I am missing that. And then, as I'm thinking about other people in my life, and I'm thinking about like my kids, for instance, I go, God, would you fill them also with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding? And then I start thinking about people in this church, people in my life group, people who are close to me, and I start thinking, God, would you fill them too with all spiritual wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of your will? God, could, would you do that? Because I, I think that when this is recorded for us in Scripture, that it's not just that uh, we, God wants us to know that Paul prayed this for the people at Colossae, but we also can pray it for each other. You're welcome to pray this for me anytime. I would love for you to pray. If you don't know how to pray for me, you don't know of a spe specific request, this is a great one. And if somebody comes to you and they say, hey, how can I pray for you? And you're like, ah, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. You know how that happens sometimes in life group? Where you go to the prayer requests part of life group and somebody asks you, okay, what prayer requests do you have right now? And you're like, nothing, life is good. Just ask for this. You know what I would like prayer for this week is that God would fill me with spiritual wisdom 
that I might understand His will. We can ask for, for that in prayer. But that's not even where He stops. That you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. So that you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Lord, I pray that my kids would walk in a manner that is worthy, worthy of you and fully pleasing to you. Lord, I pray that the people in my church would bear fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of you. Lord, would you strengthen them with all power according to your glorious might. Lord, may they have endurance and patience. May they have joy in the way that they endure and in the patience that they must have. Lord, may they give thanks to you in all things, you who have qualified them to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. We just pray Scripture. We just pray Scripture. Those times when you sit and go, I don't even know what to pray about. I feel like my, my mind is just scattered all over the place. And then you find a, a Scripture like this, and man, I can pray this every day. I'll just pray it for somebody else. Find a new person. Maybe repeat the same people over, over and over again. I'm going to pray for them over and over again through this. And I go, wow, I pray much better when I'm praying like Paul. I feel like I'm cheating when I'm praying like Paul. When I'm just borrowing Paul's prayers and I'm praying them as if they were my own. And do you know what? It's not cheating. God loves it when we do it. Because when I'm Paul, praying Paul's prayers as if they were my own, do you know what? They are my own. They are my own. Inspired by Scripture through the work of the Holy Spirit who enables me to pray like Paul, the apostle. And so we don't have to feel guilty or ashamed of that. We feel delighted that he gives us the privilege to pray like that, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We go back to Colossians chapter 4. He didn't stop verse 2 where I stopped verse 2. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Being watchful in it. I, I'm watchful. I'm paying attention to the things that are going on around me. I'm paying attention to my needs. I'm paying attention to my wife's needs. I'm paying attention to my family's needs. I'm paying attention to my church's needs. I'm paying attention to community needs. I'm being watchful about stuff because I'm kind of paranoid like that. I'm paying attention to things that are going on just in case some shady stuff goes down that I need to be aware of. And Paul says, now while you're being watchful about the stuff that's going on, why don't you continue steadfastly in prayer while you're being watchful? While you're paying attention, so that when you're seeing something and you're going, oh, that's, a, that's something sketchy. Or when you're seeing somebody and you're going, I think there's a need there that I should be aware of. That's probably a, an opportunity to pray a trigger to pray. 
that we're being watchful, we're, we're watching and we're waiting not only for the things that we should be aware of or th- situations that we need to respond to, but we're watching and we're waiting for opportunities to pray. Some of you have been around long enough that you've heard me say this before, but um, I'm going to say it again just because I, I think it's a fun anecdote. My grandma loved to pray. Her first response when she would talk with you was to pray for you. And if there was a need or some kind of danger, she would pray. It was her natural response, which meant she could not watch tense movies. Because she found herself, while she was watching tense movies, and somebody was in some precarious situation, praying just automatically for that person. I want that. I want that for my response to be like that. That when somebody is in a precarious situation or in some kind of trouble, my first instinct is just to start praying for them. So that afterwards I might feel silly because the person I'm praying for is on a TV screen and it's going to turn out however the Hollywood director decided it would. But my inclination is to pray. My first response is to pray. My first response is to ask for prayer. Right? When something comes up and I, I have a need, I, my first response is to pray and then to ask others to pray. Would you pray for me about this situation? Bring others in. You see, you can help us become a church that is continuing steadfastly in prayer by being the kind of person that is praying. You can be the kind of person that helps us be a church that is continuing steadfastly in prayer by asking us to pray. By asking us to pray. If you're asking one another to pray for you, and it's prompting other people to pray, then you are stimulating the prayer of this church. When you're writing prayer requests on the connection cards or going online to the Sunday Hub and entering in prayer requests on the online connection card, then it prompts us to pray. It stimulates the church in prayer, and we want to be a church that prays. We want to be a church that prays. So ask. Ask freely. Ask regularly. Ask in life group. Ask the person sitting next to you. Maybe not right at this moment, but at the end of the service, that's great. Ask Rick, ask Steve. They want to pray for you. They want to pray for you. And I want to pray for you. So we're being watchful in it, and not just watchful, aware, concerned, crying out to the Lord, hey, Lord, there's an issue, a situation going on here that I need your help, but with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So that means that we're not only watching for those situations where things are a little bit sketchy or shady or there might be some kind of concern about what might come next, but also we're watching and waiting for those opportunities where we might praise the Lord. And we're watching and we're going, hey, there's a reason to celebrate. Lord, we are praising you for your provision. Lord, we are praising you for the way you provided for these people and their need. We're praising you for the celebration of new life. We're praising you for the celebration of new relationships, restored relationships, reconciliation, forgiveness of sin. We are praising you, Lord, for all of these things that you are doing. We're praising you. 
You see, we can be watchful in it, and we can be needs-based, and we, that's great. We should be crying out to the Lord and putting all of our cares and everybody else's cares on Him. But we should also be watching and waiting for all of the opportunities that we can praise Him for how great He is. Because do you know that our God is at work all the time? All the time. I found myself in a situation recently where um, there was some peril, some trouble around me, and I found myself praying. I found myself praying with the people who were right around me, and we were praying, Lord, we need your help because this is beyond us. We cannot handle this situation on our own. And God's response was in minutes. And I looked back afterwards and went, I don't think that we were in like life-threatening danger, but I was very concerned. I was very concerned. And I thought that we might be in that precarious situation for a long time. And God responded within minutes and provided resolution within only a couple of hours. And I found myself praising God for being so faithful, thanking Him. Lord, you didn't have to do it that way. You didn't have to do it that way. I wasn't expecting, I was praying and I wasn't expecting it. God, I really need an answer and I really need it fast. And he's like, here it is. And I was like, that's crazy. That's faster than DoorDash. <laughs> My God, faster than DoorDash. That should be a slogan. But we're being watchful in it with thanksgiving, watching for those opportunities that we can praise Him, thank Him for the things that He is doing in us, through us, and around us and the people that we love. What are some other things that we should be praying for? Paul goes on with some other things that we, we should be uh, praying for. He says, at the same time, so, right, he, so he's already pr prayed for them, right? In, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, he said, we did not cease to pray for you, and he's prayed for them to be full of wisdom and, and uh, spiritual wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of his will. He prayed for them to walk in the manner worthy of, of the calling of the Lord and bear fruit in every good thing, right? He already prayed for all of that. Then he says, now I'm asking you, Though you at Colossae, that you would also continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And here's my specific prayer request. Paul is now going to prompt them to pray, beg them to pray, beg them to pray often, and here's his request for him. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Pray for us that God would open to us a door for the word that we might declare the mystery of Christ on account of which Paul says, I'm writing you from prison. Now, if I were Paul, I might ask, pray that I get out of prison. Pray that God would open the door so that I may leave prison and come and visit you. 
But what Paul asks instead is, would you pray that while I'm here in prison on account of the gospel, that you would open a door so that I could proclaim who God is? And I know that there are people in your life that you think, man, I wish they had the hope in Jesus that I have. I know that there are people in your life like that. And so we're praying, God, would you open up a door so that we might proclaim the hope that we have, right? Open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. That's what we're praying for. I want you to pray that for me, that God would open the door so that I might proclaim the mystery of Christ. I want to pray that for you, and if you have specific names of people, I want you to just right now, think of somebody right now that you know that doesn't have the hope of Jesus and you want them to have the hope of Jesus. And I want you to write it down. You can write it down on, on a sticky, sticky, sticky post-it note. You could write it down on a post-it note and stick it in your pocket and carry it around with you. You could pull out your phone and type it into an app. Send yourself a text. Send yourself an email. Send yourself a Snapchat. However you send yourself messages, send yourself a message. You could open up the Bible app and click pray and add a new prayer request because you didn't have any in there yet and you put the name of whoever it is that you want the door to be open. You could pull out a connection card from the seat back of the chair in front of you and write the name of the person that you want the door open so that you might declare the mystery of Christ to them. And then not only you, but also the elders and staff will be praying that God would open to you a door so that you might declare the mystery of Christ. Wouldn't that be awesome? Some of you are going, I, I have a name in mind of the person who I'm hoping would have the hope of Jesus that I have, but Travis, it's not going to happen because I know them. Faster than DoorDash. My God can answer faster than DoorDash. We're just going to ask. We're just going to ask. That God would open the door. You know how those situations come up? You have that person in mind that you're hoping that they would know Jesus and you're going, how can I tell them? How can I tell? They don't want to hear it from me. How can I tell them? How can I like work the conversation around so that we get around to Jesus and I can be like, you know, you're kind of a sinner and you need Jesus. How can we get to that? Don't. Don't even try. Just ask God to open the door. And when he's ready, the Holy Spirit will open that door and their heart will be prepared and they'll be like, hey, so you believe in Jesus. Why is that? Can you help me? And you'll have opportunity because God opened the door. Because God opened the door. So that you might declare the mystery of Christ on, a, on account of which Paul was in prison. So, then that brings up a concern. At least it brings up a concern for me. I'm afraid to pray that prayer because what if it happens? What if it happens? What if God does open that door? What if they do just come right out and say, so I want to believe in Jesus too. What do I need to do? What would I say? How would I speak? What, how would I be prepared for that? Paul doesn't leave it up to you. He puts that on God too. Look, verse 4. Verse 4. 
and so that I might make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Would you pray for me, Paul says, the Apostle Paul, who's pretty good at at writing stuff down and speaking, is saying, would you pray that the Holy Spirit would open doors so that I would have the opportunity to declare the mystery of Christ to them, the hope of Jesus to them, and would you furthermore pray that I would speak clearly like I should? Because I know that some of you, like me, are afraid that the people who are closer to you that don't know Jesus are going to ask a question and you're going to be stuck stammering, trying to come up with something to say. And so we're just going to put that on God too. God, would you open the door and then make it so that I speak clearly in a way that they understand? Because I can't do it on my own. It is beyond me. You know how long you wait for people that that you hope that they would have hope in Jesus, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting for them, and you're trying maybe to convince them or talk to them, but we're just going to say, you know what, we're going to take all the pressure off. I'm not asking you to do evangelism, right? It can be a big, scary word. I want you to evangelize the world. I want you to evangelize your friends. I want you to go and tell people about Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to do any of that. I'm just going to ask that we pray that God would open the door so that you could, and that he'd fill your mouth so that when you speak, it's clear. You don't have to do anything. We're going to let God do all the work. He's going to open the doors. He's going to give you the words to speak, and then he's going to save that person, and you can just watch and go, that's amazing. How did you do that? He's the God of the impossible. That's how. That's how. And this is what we know, right? This is why the pastors of New Life Church are so concerned that we be a a church of prayer and people of prayer because we know that we could do all kinds of gimmicks, we could do all kinds of things, and that we could try all kinds of strategies to convince your neighbors to believe in Jesus and to come to New Life Church. And we will not be effective at that at all. Or... We can be a church that prays and that will just happen because God is doing it. And so that's what we want. That's what we want. Now, I know that there is temptation as we head into a New Year's Eve service and we're doing the New Year thing, right? That that this kind of a message is is received as a, uh aha, New Year's resolutions. I get it. Heard it loud and clear, Pastor Travis. I get it. My New Year's resolution is to pray more. Okay. I I don't want that to be the case. Right? I I don't want it to be the case that, that we are just trying to be resolved to pray more. Or that we feel like we should pray more. Or that if we were to pray for a thousand hours, then God would do something amazing. I'm just trying to encourage you while I encourage myself that we want to be people of prayer. That we want to be people of prayer. That God does amazing things. That He hears us, has drawn near to us, and wants us to draw near to Him. so that we might pray. That's what I'm looking for. 
we're going to have a thousand hours, right, of prayer as New Life Church. That sounds enormous to me. And so I was thinking about it. How much would we have to pray? That's, um, if every person who's part of New Life Church were to pray for a half an hour a week, we would meet our goal. We could meet our goal and still not be confident that we were a church continuing steadfastly in prayer. But it is a tool to encourage us. So some of you don't pray regularly. You're, you're wanting to start with your streak of days of prayer with one, right? Great. Let's do that. Let's start with two minutes. Find two minutes for prayer where you are, maybe you open up the, the Bible app and you do the reading for the a few, a, a few verses in Romans with us each day and you respond in prayer for two minutes. And you're going to do that right after you brush your teeth or while you're making breakfast or while you're sitting with a cup of coffee in the morning in a place that it's quiet or on a 15-minute uh, break during work or on your commute, or some other time that just two minutes a day, you're going to read a couple of verses and respond to the Lord in prayer. And then one half hour a week that you just set aside and you say, I'm going to dedicate this time. We have some packets. They look like this. I should have brought it up with me, but I, it didn't fit in my pocket. So uh, they look like this. They're on the resource table. These are the C42 Endeavor packets. And they have some resources in here because I know a half an hour sounds like a really long time. You cannot pray your way through this packet in a half an hour. It's going to take longer. It's going to take several half hours. So if you dedicate a half an hour a week that you say, this is going to be my half hour that I'm going to click on the um, website and, and say, I'm going to pray for this half hour, and you use this packet, it'll take longer than a half an hour, and you can, can just stop, and then for your next half hour, pick it back up again and, and try again. Okay? So, two minutes a day, half an hour a week. That's, that's what I would encourage you to do, to try and build a rhythm. Now, some of you are already praying regularly and already have a chunk of time. And so what I would would ask for you as we become people who are continuing steadfastly in prayer is consider bumping it up to a half an hour a day or an hour a day. Adding some time and, and clicking it off on the website. Are, are we, does it matter to us? No, nobody's going to go, go through and be like, oh, well, I see that the elders only prayed for, and I see that the life group leaders only prayed for, nobody's going to do that. We're, we're, the point is not to, to do an accounting of who's praying the best at New Life Church and who's praying the littlest. It's just a tool to try and help encourage us to pray and to see if, you know how uh, you want to record things and measure things and say, what are the things that are really important to us and how do we measure that? This has been a struggle for us at New Life Church for, for many years that we've been trying to figure out what are the things that are most important and how do you measure that? Because the things that are really easy to measure are how many people come on Sunday morning. And that's really, frankly, not very important. The things that are important are, are people growing in their knowledge and love of the Lord? That's really hard to measure. 
That's really hard to measure. How do you measure that? Are people in their Bible every day? How would I measure that? Are people praying every day? How would I measure that? We can't measure that, but this is some kind of indication if the church is recording their prayers, and I know you don't need to do it for credit, but we're just trying to gauge as a church where are we at. And if we go, a thousand hours of prayer, that was way too easy. We go, oh, okay. Maybe next time we make the, the challenge a little bit bigger and we have an idea that we actually have people, a lot of people who are praying on a regular basis at New Life Church, and it helps us to know where we're at and what to do and how to help and how to encourage. Okay? So, lots of talking from me. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to be a people of prayer, not because we see it as a religious duty, by which we become worthy of you. But because you have already drawn near to us and have invited us into relationship with you. Lord, may we respond to that, answer that, pray and connect with you in that. And Father, we, we know that like the disciples, in our minds, we want to do it, but we're so tired, and we fall asleep while we mean to pray, and we get distracted while we mean to pray, and we give up when we mean to pray, and we forget when we mean to pray. So, Lord, we ask, would you help us? Would you strengthen us for, pray, for prayer? Would your Holy Spirit be at work within us, prompting us to pray, strengthening us in prayer, helping us to pray, answering our prayers, helping us to respond in thanksgiving and in praise? Lord, that we might be even now a people who is delighting and drawing near to you. That we might anticipate all the more what it will be like in eternity when we are with you and there is no separation. Lord, we praise you for that hope that we have and ask that you would open the door for us to proclaim the mysteries of Christ. And we ask for this in his name. Amen.